Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and today there's only one thing that's worth talking about, the fatal hostile fire in Wellington. The fire broke out just after midnight at the Loafers Lodge in Newtown on Tuesday morning, and for the very latest information, Tori Fano, the Mayor of Wellington, is on the line now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, I thought maybe we'd just do some facts at the top here. Um, have you got an update for us on the death toll, please? It is still at six, uh, with a number of people unaccounted for. We don't actually have a final number uh, for those who are unaccounted for, um, but we hope once the police are able to get in and do their investigation and review of the building uh, before they hand over to fire and emergency, we'll have that information hopefully later this morning, but again, it depends on the safety of the building. And where are the people who were living there being housed now? So yesterday, uh, approximately 52 people were taken to an emergency centre uh, where they were being looked after for the day. But by um, about 10pm last night, they had all been put into temporary accommodation. Uh, That is in the short term um, as uh, the MSD looks for a kind of longer term solution. Can you clarify uh, for us as to whether or not this fire is being treated suspicious? There seemed to be a bit of contradictory information coming out late yesterday. I spoke to the police. Um, They were quite careful um, about the use of that word and they're very much depending on their review and what they find out hopefully today. What do you know about the reports that there was an initial couch fire in the property as well? So I have seen that report Uh, in the news, but I've not received that information uh, directly from Fire and Emergency and the police. Tori, something clearly went wrong here. What was it from your perspective? There are a couple of things um, that I think this will really highlight and open the conversation here, and it's uh, around uh, the standard of our buildings and our building codes. So I've instructed council to uh, take a, a, a really extra hard look uh, and work closely with the police to really uh, dig in to discover what ha- what went wrong here, what has happened here. There is a lot of discussion about uh, the, the sprinklers and lack thereof. That will come out in the review, and I, I, I genuinely think this will open up the work and review, possibly a review around our building standards with central government. So I'll be working hard with them to see what the next steps are there. Secondly, I think... What support are our vulnerable communities getting? You know, um, what is the long-term solution to get them into more permanent housing? What support do they have regarding uh, those wraparound services? I know uh, government has been doing um, a lot in this space over the years, but um, I'm certainly hoping to see more. Uh, Those who were successfully evacuated yesterday were in a very distressed state, and of course they would be. So the, the, the mental toll that this took on what they were already feeling was quite obvious to uh, me and our councillors and MPs who visited. So I think this will lead to those two outcomes. You mentioned sprinklers there. Let's focus on that. Why were there not sprinklers in this building? Can you please explain? It's currently not a requirement in uh, our building codes. And I think what this review might highlight is that actually this this might be a requirement moving forward. Um, I don't want to preempt uh, that as an outcome, but I know that's probably what uh, people are starting to wonder.
And in terms of that, sorry, just um, that the reason that sprinklers weren't required is that because it was a four-story building, sprinklers are only required in ten-story buildings, or if there's been a change of use of the building in the in the recent past, is that your understanding of the, of the situation? Oh, that's not a level of detail that I'm across, but that's certainly uh, the, that will be part of the review and what our council officers will definitely be looking into. So, to the best of your knowledge, this building was up to fire safety standards as they stand now. Yes, it was. So it was. Uh, there was an independent review um, conducted in March, uh, and it passed uh, its warrant of fitness, um, which I know that that sounds quite mind-boggling uh, today. So uh, again, I, I think there will be a very serious look into um, how those inspections are carried out moving forward, and what level of standard uh, building should require. I know. There are many landlords and building owners out there now um, starting to not, I wouldn't say panic, but this has been a wake up call for them uh, to look into the safety of their own buildings. There are reports uh, that the hostel was housing deportees, prison rehabilitation residents. So who was responsible for this hostel? Was there an agency responsible for it? From what I know, there was a mixture of agencies um, and private accommodation. So there really was a range of residents in this. Um, We won't have a full picture of who until the police have done the review. Tori, this hostel was used as midterm transient housing by lots of people at loose ends or in between jobs. It clearly wasn't up to scratch. And I put it to you that, you know, this is yet another example of society utterly failing its most vulnerable people. What, What would you say to that? I completely agree. We've we've failed a sector of our community. Um, they were not looked after in this case. Uh, that has what has made this all the more upsetting. Uh, that's why there were high emotions yesterday. Not, I mean, the the death toll was one thing, but the fact that they were a part of our vulnerable community uh, makes this all the more heartbreaking. And that's why um, you know a top priority of me, or for me, sorry, um, has always been how do we look after our most vulnerable. So moving forward, that'll definitely be a piece of work that I'll be working with central government on. There will be other accommodation around Wellington, around the country, providing these sorts of services to other vulnerable and transient people. Are you going to look into the conditions at those places as well, given the circumstances here? Yep. So I've instructed our officers to um, have a look across the city and try to identify as soon as possible what other buildings could be at risk. And uh, I look forward to receiving the results of those. And, and I, 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 you know, I suspect every agency, central government will also be doing that. Again, this has been a huge wake-up call um, and we've let some people down. We've let our vulnerable community down um, and it it shouldn't take an accident of this nature uh, to do that. Um, However, um, you know, as we move forward, as we grieve, as we provide support to those who survived and the families of those who have impacted, we need a clear plan on how we move forward and I look forward to working with uh, council and central government uh, to ensure that this doesn't happen again. What are the most pressing unanswered questions here from your point of view? I think for me, um, I, I wait nervously around the final situation as it stands. We still have a number of people unaccounted for. I'm hoping they're out there with family. Mm. Um, and if they're listening, I urge them to call um, 105 and reference Project Rose uh, to let us know. Um, But I'm incredibly worried about what police might discover in that building. And so what happens now? 
Um, this will require, unfortunately, a little bit of patience, but um, I've been liaising with Fire and Emergency, the police and our coroner. They need some time. This is a very tricky uh, and dangerous situation still as they conduct their review. Um, and of course, um, I hate to use these words, but the identification process is going to be long and difficult due to the nature of this incident. I mean, that doesn't help those who um, are still not sure um, where their loved ones are or where their friends are, and I, I fully acknowledge that. But the, for the rest of us, for the rest of the community, please give our services space uh, to do the most effective job possible. Tori Fano, thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. We're going to bring in Tom Hunt now, a senior staff reporter in Wellington who was at the scene of the fire in the early hours of yesterday morning. Tom, let's start with how this all unfolded. So about 12.30am yesterday morning, fire broke out at the Loafers Lodge, which is kind of like a halfway hostel-y kind of place up in Newtown. It just tore through the building and it was just gutted. It was absolutely destroyed. From the outside, you couldn't see too much damage apart from one of the top rooms but obviously a lot of damage there you know firefighters had to pluck people off the roof absolute tragedy did you speak to anybody who actually managed to get out of the building look yeah there's the one most remarkable story that i heard today was a guy old guy he would have been about 80 outside just wrapped in a little green blanket um he'd been woken up by the smoke alarms and opened his door it's just filled with smoke so he um closed the door put a towel under it opened his window to get fresh air in, and then he reckons he's in there for about an hour, but, you know, telling time then is a bit hard, but he said he had to leave leave when the water from the fire hoses started coming onto the door, and so he made his way downstairs, and firefighters found him, and he got out and took him up to Newtown Park for breakfast and all that kind of stuff. Tom, tell us what we know about the building itself, if you could. Yeah, look, I've been in there myself a couple of times for different reasons. Um, it's a four-story concrete bunker of a building. It's, you know, very nondescript. I'm not sure what the ground floor is. I think it might be an abandoned shop. And as you go up the levels, it's kind of a unofficial class system from what people have explained to me. Can you describe the interior of the building on, from those, you know, couple of times you've been in in the past? It's a very... It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of very lacking in windows is the one thing that really strikes me. I mean, the, the frontage out to uh, Adelaide Road, you know, has got some windows, but, you know, I've been in there and there's a big communal spaces that are just completely windowless. Um, it's not a very nice place. It's sheltering, I guess that's good for, you know, people, but it's not the kind of place anyone would dream of living. We know that there weren't sprinklers in the building. How does something like that happen or is that is that allowed? I don't know and no one there seemed to really be able to tell me that um, but it would seem there should be sprinklers there right and I was talking to a senior firefighter at the scene and he said the number of deaths would be significantly lower if not zero if there had been working sprinklers so mm-hmm. multiple investigations that are going on and I think that would be one of the major major questions that has to be answered and whether it had passed all its correct checks, from what I can tell, it has. But, you know, these will, of course, be things that will be asked in the days and weeks, probably months ahead. Oh, pleasure. Thanks, guys. That's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emile Donovan. 
Get in touch if you do have something to say to us. You can flick us an email at newsable@stuff.co.nz. And to make sure you never miss an episode of Newsable, give us a follow and save wherever you get your podcasts.